Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Grassroots Government. I'm Carl Wiggers this week, joined by Joe Mapes. This is a podcast where we talk about what's going on in the state capitol and also in the national front with Andy Brown. We'll talk about We'll talk with him later on in the show. Joe, right now, we're Saturday. We got about 14 days, two weeks left in this session. Uh, and it's been a busy week for you, right? I mean, everybody's kind of finding a new rhythm in the state capitol. Is that, that kind of, would that be a way to describe it? Oh yeah, it's uh, with that two weeks left. It, we're we're in what was supposed to be an eighty-five day session, due to the virus. It's a twenty-eight day session. So there's this big bottleneck about to occur with legislation. Everybody's trying to move theirs as quickly as possible so it doesn't get caught up in that bottleneck. Mm-hmm. What kind of uh, bills are being heard right now? Anything? Any any major bills that are out there that's kind of flowing on the Farm Bureau front? Well, our number one issue for the Federation, Carl, is automobile insurance reform. We call it tort reform. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, loggers and other trucking companies and hauling companies that can't get insurance. And that's the lifeline from rural Louisiana to the mill. Uh, that's what our number one issue is. And this week, we passed a House bill and a Senate bill out of the, the respective committees uh, simultaneously. They both came out on the same day. They're both headed for their floors in their respective houses. So our next battle on, on tort reform is on the Senate floor and the House floor. Um, we predict a good battle for the whole session. $64,000 question, Carl. What's the governor going to do with that big hairy meatball when, he, when, when they put it on his desk? One of the things you said, you said we passed it, but it's not just Farm Bureau pushing this. It's a it's a, a big group of, of, big group uh, of business and industry interests. Yes. And that's a great question, Carl, because Lobby, the Louisiana Association of Business and Industry, is the one that heads up a coalition of which Farm Bureau is a part. But we don't make the lead decisions. We're following the group, and that group covers just about every business and industry and profession. Uh, that you've heard of, uh, professional associations, uh, companies themselves, uh, stuff like that. Well, that's exciting to hear because I remember that was our very first issue that we talked about on the very first episode. And uh, for anyone listening, I'll, I'll link back to that if you want to go and hear kind of more about why that's an important issue to Farm Bureau. But Joe, can you give me the 30-second answer, the elevator pitch as to why tort reform matters to Farm Bureau? I mean, you mentioned it being the, the conduit, you know, automobiles and trucking being the conduit between rural uh, Louisiana and the mills and the processing, but kind of why does that why is that in a, a fight that we're getting into? I mean, you, you take I think the best example, Carl, that we have in Louisiana is the logging industry. It takes forty years to grow trees, and then if you can't get insurance for your trucks to bring them to the mill, what have you done? You've done nothing, and it's just ridiculous. We've got it. We've got one uh, trucking company that has moved to Arkansas. It's cheaper to do trucking uh, in Louisiana if you if your trucking company's in Arkansas. They can afford, they can give better prices, uh, more efficient services. You know, uh, this it, it's just uh, ridiculous that we can't get our rural uh, producers, you know, to the mills because they can't afford insurance on their on their trucks. And it's not just us. That coalition that you mentioned earlier, we've got two senators uh, in the legislature right now that that own trucking companies. You ought to hear their stories. We ought to bring them on this show one time. You wouldn't believe what they're paying in insurance, uh, Carl. I can't imagine. And one of the things I want to point out real quick is forestry, while it's not one of those um, maybe really glamorous, you don't have beautiful harvest footage in the fall of, you know, corn harvest or sugarcane harvest at sunset, but 
forestry is by a, lot, by a long shot the number one agricultural industry in Louisiana by, you know, a huge margin. So, I mean, if that industry, if we're starting to make life difficult for that industry, I mean, it's, it's just bad business for all of Louisiana. Would you agree? And what I find really interesting, um, they've got a piece of legislation the loggers do this session, and it's kind of complicated because of the issues that the loggers have, but the loggers aren't part of our coalition. Uh, they aren't part of the tort reform package. It's like the legislature is treating, you know, loggers tort reform different than ours. And I don't know exactly why that is, but we need all the bodies and all the cases uh, that we can point to that show, you know, what's happening here so we can make this needed change. Well, there's nothing like a unified front on a, on a fight like this. That's what I'm saying. Yes. Well, what else, what else is going on? We got tort reform in both chambers that are moving. What about, uh, there's another bill that just happened, you know, more about as far away from here as we can be, but up in Northwest Louisiana, what's going on up there that we've been working on? You know, that's an interesting situation, Carl, because not only is it up in Northwest Louisiana, far away from us, the bill was filed as a local bill, a local issue. And usually what that means in the legislature is, you know, don't mess with my backyard and I won't, I won't mess with yours, talking to the other legislators. So this is my bill. This is what I want for my people. And I want to push it through the process. So if somebody else stands up and says, hey, I don't like that bill, the, the author is basically going to say, well, it really shouldn't matter to you because it's my issues and my constituents back home. And we had that concern on this issue, but this issue had such a, it's got such a bad precedent if this bill doesn't pass. Currently, the Shreveport Metropolitan uh, Commission is responsible for land management, you know, and kind of like the Caddo Commission that, that uh, managed the land before this commission. Kind of like, kind of like an ec- economic development commission in a way, or uh, not, not quite? You know, it's kind of like that, and but they manage they manage everything within that district too, so that they have a five mile radius outside of the city of Shreveport. So it's actually encompassing not just metropolitan Shreveport, but other cities. And so we've got farmers that live in other cities five within that five mile radius that are that are now being told what screws to use to build a fence. Got to get a permit to build a fence first. Mm. I mean, I know we got to do that anyway, but we got to do this again with this commission. They tell what screws to use, what wire to use, what posts to use, uh, and we just can't have that. There's no other place in Louisiana where farmers are regulated by metropolitan entities. So these, these entities are reaching out of the city that they're, you know, put together to manage, and they're reaching out into farms and ranches around around the city that, you know, have never really had that kind of an issue. It's called a land grab is what it is. Wow. And then you get you get that. It's a taxing district call, so you get that revenue too. Mm, okay. It's all the issues in my business and politics, they're always about money 100% of the time. It might look like it's a heart-tugging issue or something that's important to the health and welfare of the citizens of Louisiana. But in there, one person or one group stands to make a lot of money, and another group or another person stands to lose a lot of money. It's always about mm. money. So Sandy has a saying, if you want to figure out what's going on on an issue, follow the money. I've heard that a lot. Um, what, so what do we do? What's, what's going on? What, what's the, have we made an action on that bill or is there an actual bill involved? Yes. As a matter of fact, there's a bill that's involved and, and what it does is it removes the, the Caddo Commission, because, the Caddo Police Jury, because, uh, you know, our argument is that they don't have that jurisdiction. So it removes them. We passed that bill. It's been passed out of the Senate Committee, I mean the House Committee, but we just passed it with author Danny McCormick, who's from 
that area up in Marty Woolrich's area. Uh, Danny McCormick, we passed the bill with him. I think it was 83 to some uh, 83 votes. We only needed, uh, no, it was 63 and we only needed 53. So we did good. Cool. And we did a little, we did get a little fight on the floor, but we had good, uh, people like chairman Jack McFarlane and, uh, stand up and talk, you know, ask some questions and make sure that everybody understood that this was important to farming and agriculture. Very cool. Well, good job. Um, what about, there's another industry that we, we talked about this, I think on episode one or two of this podcast, but that's, the horticultural industry. There's been a bill going on there. What's going on with, with some of that? Well, there's a bill that would create an exemption for contractors in, in regard to laying side on, but it's very specifically drawn. The bill is only laying side on a project and only laying it on a servitude and only laying it on 10% of the job. Okay. Well, the horticulturalists feel like that's an, uh, you know, a encroachment on their scope of practice you know, on their, on their profession. And so they met with the uh, author and asked for an amendment. Uh, the, the amendment didn't get on the way that they saw it. And so now they're, who is the author real quick? Who is the author? Kathy, but I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, pop him personally uh, right now. They're going to do that. So, but they're, they're coming to town next week. Carl, I'm told that they're going to come to town in numbers that they've got, you know, uh, please oppose the bill written across their face mask and they're going to come to town and, and, uh, you know, let the legislature know uh, what they think about this bill. Mm. I mean, there is a workable amendment, a workable solution. I think it's like 900 square feet of side is the amendment that we agreed, we agreed upon in the Senate conference room, but now the bill has been changed to say $10,000 worth of side. Mm. So, you know, uh, we've got to stay on top of that. Uh, there's, uh, I think, like 3,200 or so horticulturalists and landscapers in the state. Uh, but it's another extension of agriculture that we've got to help promote and protect. Yep, that's what, we, that's what we're all about. That's our job. What about this, Joe? We've talked about this from day one as well. We've talked about a lot of these for a long time, but the budget, that's top priority in this session. And we really, from what I gather, really haven't gotten too far on that process, even though we're moving all these other bills and things are happening with all these other things. What, where are we at on a state budget right now? Yeah, the budget, a lot of times, kind of like uh, almost every time is kind of like a basketball game, you know, where the, where the, the fervor and the, and the juice and everything's in the last two minutes, you know, the budget will kind of sit around for a whole session. I mean, yeah, they'll work on it and everything, but you don't start getting into the fight and, until about the last two weeks, and that's where we are now. The difference here is this is the last two weeks of a four-week session. It's usually the last two weeks of a 60-day or 85-day session, okay? The other bad news is that the state's budget is based on is based on $53 a barrel uh, per barrel of oil, and I'm told, you know, it's been closing somewhere around 23 daily now. Uh, that's going to leave a giant gaping hole in our budget. When the casinos were shut down, uh, we, we, the state took in $60 million per month off the casinos of tax revenue, and it was swept daily by the state police from their accounts. That means the state got paid every day, a chunk of that 60 million monthly. But guess what? When they closed the casinos down, boom, that revenue stopped immediately. And so now they're going to just ramp up casinos by 25% over time. It's going to take a long time to get back up to that $60 million, uh, monthly. Mm. And so the, the real interesting thing, Carl, uh, you got this session that's just moving along. Uh, it's not going to be the same when we get to the budget. 
we are going to get stuck. Uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of fighting and, um, you know, we're just going to see what happens, but it's going to, we're, we're going to be, uh, I, I previously thought some of the coronavirus money from the feds was going to help, but with what we're talking about right now with oil and, uh, the casinos, no, it's, I don't think it's going to, help that much when we talk about being a fight right there at the last second is there anything in in the ag world that may be coming under attack every time you're talking about revenue and a depletion of revenue and a need for revenue then farmers come into the sites of the gun when we're talking about our sales tax exemptions on inputs which by the way no state in the union nobody in america no state has sales tax on inputs so if the state is really lean and hungry and looking for money and they're turning this, you know, Gatlin gun around looking, they, they might look at us, Carl, and they might say, look, look at all that money those farmers, we give all them by not taxing them. But they're not going to be seeing or saying to themselves, you know, are we going to be reducing Louisiana's competitiveness with other countries and around the world if we take away their exemptions? We, we, we're no, Louisiana is no special than any other state, Carl, but agriculture and farming is special. Yeah. And, and if ever a time that they don't need to be uh, coming under attack is right now after this coronavirus and all this, I mean, all that I, I, I'm fixing to talk with Andy, but I know that that's all they've been doing for the last eight weeks is just fighting for farmers to get some help because it's, it's tough out there for them. Keep the food chain going. That's what we're trying to do here, you know, and, 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 and We've done a survey, Carl. You're familiar with it. We got the results back recently. Four out of four people eat food. Mm. And so we need to keep promoting and protecting agriculture so that they can continue to do that. And, and it's a funny thing saying it like that. But sometimes I think people lose perspective because I do know that a lot of people aren't aware that food doesn't come from Albertson mm-hmm. or Costco. Okay, it comes from the God's great earth and it grows. And, and a lot of people don't... They, lose sight of that so we've got to we've got to continually educate right uh what can what can the grassroots we talk, we've been talking about this over the last couple of weeks what can the grassroots members uh the farm bureau members do to stay involved in the process as it's you know in in this you know post shutdown phase one phase two era of coronavirus what can how can we stay involved in, in the process joe well the process is becoming more electronic, just like every other process and industry and business around. So voter voice is going to be more important than ever. If you get a request from us, you know, we really need help. So just participate, whether on the tractor, you know, in your office or in your home, just push that little button uh, for us and you'll be participating because participating is the number one thing that we need to continue to do. Now, uh, you got a little more time on your hands, maybe because your life's adjusted. Drop by and see your uh, state representative or state senator at their district office after the session is over. I can tell you this much. They would love to see you. And we're not asking you to go by and ask for anything. We're just asking you to go by and introduce yourself as a potential resource for agriculture, rural Louisiana, and farming in the area. Give them a card. Give them your number. And you'll be surprised. You'll probably get a call one day. Just ask them for some help. Just being a resource. Um, one of the things that you've taught me over these few years of doing grassroots government is it's all about relationships. That's what that's what your job is about. That's what this process is all about is relationships and having that. And I think that's one of the things we've we've probably covered it. We've probably said it a few times, but that's one of the things that makes Farm Bureau so powerful in the uh, in this process. Would you agree? There's no doubt. It's the relationship. Somebody came before us. Another governor was here one day in Louisiana, and he said. 
It's not who you know, it's what you know. Well, he was wrong, okay? And when you talk about relationships in that respect, like it's not what, who you know, it's what you know. You're talking about it almost like it's a dirty thing, like these relationships that you have. But I got to tell you, Carl, that the, the relationships are based on respect and trust. So when you're talking about people paying attention to Farm Bureau as members, they respect those people as members of their community, and then they trust the information coming out of them um, because they've been friends with their families and their families before that. And that's just how it works. So it is all about relationships. Well, I appreciate Joe. I appreciate the relationship that you and I have and uh, the long, I mean, I feel like we've been doing this for decades now, but it's only been a few years, but I really appreciate, you know, what you've taught me and what you've helped me to understand and helped our members with uh, in doing these podcasts and doing these videos. So I appreciate your time this morning. Uh, I hope you have a good weekend and uh, look forward to hearing more about the state process, the state uh, politics. I enjoy our time together too, Carl. And I enjoy the knowing that we're uh, getting information out there and helping people uh, stay in touch because participating in the process is the most important thing because we all know if you're not at the table, Carl, where are you? You're on the menu. There you go. Have a good weekend. You too, man. Joining me now is Andy Brown, the National Affairs Coordinator for the Louisiana Farm Bureau. Andy, it's been a it's been a long couple of months now with for you and your job doing a lot of there's been a lot of letters going out, a lot of work that you and your you and the whole commodity department has been working on on behalf of Louisiana farmers and ranchers. What's kind of the latest uh what's what's going on right now with you guys? You know, it's the end of week seven or so. Yeah, Carl, it's uh it's an interesting week this week in federal policy. Uh everybody who's called me wanting details, I just tell them we're kind of in a holding pattern. Uh guns are hot, we're ready to strike and, and get some payment assistance out to farmers, but uh we're waiting on USDA and really now, uh according to sources as it is, uh Office of Management and Budget, aka the White House, to to vet their program. So this food assistance program is coming. But uh, we're on pins and needles to get it out to growers who who need it uh, need it now. Yeah, that's one of the 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 ones we've talked about for the last few weeks for sure. Is the uh, CFAP? What's there? What's the latest on that? Uh, other than it's just sitting at the White House waiting, you know, to get approved. Yeah, they had uh, they got everybody kind of stirred up this week. Uh, got everybody excited. They announced a webinar that was held on Thursday, and uh, they. They had so many people sign up for their webinar, Carl, that apparently there's a cap that you can fit in a webinar. I don't know how many thousands of, of signees that was, but uh, they they had so many sign up, they sent out another email that said, uh, we're, we're basically not going to tell you any new information on this webinar, so some of y'all probably don't want to watch. But uh, I did tune in, and it was really more of an introductory, if you, don't, if you haven't dealt with FSA historically, here's kind of how to get your ducks in a row. And, and uh, here's, you know, how to work with them under the, the current circumstances. So there's not, uh, I saw one quote in an article today calling the details of the food assistance program a nuclear football, uh, that that's how they're treating this thing. Like it's the codes to, to the nukes that they're, they're really tight lipped on it. But uh, we've gleaned basically that it's going to be a, a gold rush at that FSA office, not in necessarily amounts, but just in, there's a lot of need out there and a lot of people that may not traditionally uh, visit their FSA office regularly. Uh, for instance, a cow calf producer or uh, some other specialty crop folks that don't have a lot of uh, farm programs in the farm bill currently, but under this food assistance program 
are going to be there, are going to have to uh, eventually get a farm number and kind of get their uh, get their government profile ready to hopefully get some good assistance. So the FSA office is, that's already busy is going to be even more busy here in the next, the coming weeks. Man, yeah, yeah. I talked to Craig McCain and our state FSA director this week, and uh, you know I love to give shout-outs to people who are who are helping the farmer, and they definitely deserve one. Uh, he told me some good news this week that they've yet to have any employee in Louisiana uh, contract the coronavirus. He was proud of that because they've still been working pretty heavy. Uh, they're they're doing things kind of in a skeleton crew fashion of certain folks going to the office at certain times and doing things by appointment and phone call and, and online certainly, but uh, they, they already had too much workload for the amount of employees with just normal uh, farm bill sign up stuff and, you know, kind of annual review and uh, acreage reporting and all those things that they do regularly. And then they've been having to administer the WIP plus program, the disaster programs from 2018 and 19. And then now, uh, amongst other things, I'm sure I'm forgetting, they're going to have to administer uh, a program to not only all their traditional customers, but a whole new slew of customers that require a whole lot more paperwork. Mm-hmm. Hold on just a second. I got geese uh, going crazy. Well, while you got geese going, I mean, one of the things I'm thinking of is, you know, a typical farmer that, you know, is used to the process with, the FSA office knows kind of the role. I mean, granted, all of these programs are different, but you already have a relationship. You know, the the agents at the FSA office kind of understand, you know, for the most part, a lot of these farmers they deal with on the year-to-year basis, but they're going to have a whole new group of, you know, like you said, clients coming in that they have to explain and they have to work through all of that. That's going to be a heck of a process for those guys. Yeah, and, it, you know, it kind of feels weird to call farmers their customer as it's, you know, it's a government office and they administer programs, but that's really kind of what it comes down to. And that's how Secretary Purdue refers to him as his customers. So um, I would say to any of our listeners out there that are, are likely the more uh, traditional uh, FSA constituent, they need to go ahead and, and be in contact with their staff in those offices to kind of get the easy ones out of the way. Uh, that's that would be my hope. This is mm-hmm. just one man's opinion, but uh, and it should be relatively easy from what we can pick up on the little detail we have on this food assistance program. Um, but there's going to be some people that have no clue what they're doing and going to need a lot of a lot of staff help that'll take up their time. So uh, we'll see. Uh, we're still optimistic about crawfish. We're still optimistic about our cattle industry getting some assistance we know they need it really bad but uh we're kind of transitioning into the the next uh the round of the next stimulus package uh to to see what it'll have and we had some details come out uh, this week of what the democrats are looking for so we're looking at like maybe a cares 2.0 or a second stimulus package what's that what's the the latest on that yeah, just the sheer politics of it. Uh, the House Democrats swung first on this go around, and you know they don't want to name anything uh, something that the Republicans named it. So they've come out with the Heroes Act because that's cooler than the Cares Act, I guess. But uh, it's uh, it's another huge, unprecedented fiscal note. Uh, we've they've upped the ante from two trillion to over three trillion in this package, um, and. 
it's it's a lot. It was a, over an eighteen hundred page document. Thankfully, I've got other organizations that uh, gave me executive summaries and broke some things out for me where I didn't have to read eighteen hundred pages. But uh, it's a lot. It's a big note. And, but uh, just so everybody understands, um, you know, there's it's not an all or nothing deal in, in politics like this. Uh, we're going to try and find pieces that we do like and and carry those uh, to the Senate side, and we're going to try to find the things we can't live with and, and get those killed. Uh, when it's a marker bill like this, that's what you got to do. You can't just say uh, we support or we oppose uh, because there's there's so many pieces, it's a big puzzle to unpack. What are some of the good pieces in there that, that you know farmers can be kind of excited about and are maybe hopeful about? Yeah, I mean, you can tell that we've had some influence on this thing when it comes to the ag uh, side of of things. Most notably, uh, some pretty specific language to help ethanol. Uh, they're, they've been one of the ones that have been left out so far. Uh, and there was a, I think it was a 40 cent per gallon uh, payment on ethanol uh, to try and take some some pressure off of that market, which in turn not only helps the corn farmer, it helps the beef industry with the byproducts that they feed and so on. It's a, it's a involved uh, process there, but there's other things. There's another over 16 billion in direct uh, payment to to farmers of all shapes and sizes. And uh, it adjusts the payment limits that we've been talking about that we think are going to get adjusted in this food assistance program too, but it just puts it in black and white in the law. Uh, And there's, there's a number of other things that, that we could get behind, but uh, we'll just have to, to see. And, and again, with over $3 trillion, our organization is conservative in nature, uh, is typically not been uh, for a ton of government involvement. And when you have $3 trillion coming from the government, there's going to be some oversight on that. And so that's kind of the side we have to navigate is how much are you willing to sacrifice on your your beliefs and your, uh, your ideology there to, to get help that you desperately need. So yeah. we'll try to find that balance. What about, we talked about it last week on the podcast is a big, big infrastructure push here on the state level. Um, is that going to be part of this heroes act that, you know, is that something that the Democrats are really trying to get into this bill? Yeah. From the ag scope, the big thing seems to be broadband that we could mm-hmm benefit from uh i haven't read much on you know it has some road and bridge pieces to it um but a lot of the ideology of of the democratic party is to send that money to states and to let them administer it because the a big concern is the loss in revenue of state and local governments and so their thought is to i mean you know to, to keep government going and to keep sizable government to help the people that that's their that's where a lot of that price tag comes from is uh, sending it with certain parameters uh, some you know a good bit of oversight but then you're just talking about more government governing government that's Mm -hmm. kind of a tongue twister there but uh, again those are things that we got to sit down and analyze a little deeper but yeah broadband seems to be the biggest winner right now that that i could could mention uh, and we'll we'll see again if it's if it's worth worth the price to pay 
Yeah. Well, moving on to another industry that, I mean, early on in this coronavirus shutdown life, it was crawfish and working really hard on the crawfish industry. We talked about it weeks on weeks and uh, now it's kind of shifting to poultry and working you and Ron Harold are working really hard with the poultry producers of Louisiana to kind of make sure that they're taken care of because they're very um, unique, I guess, uh, in, in the way that they're structured and their farms and their operations. Uh, what's going on with the poultry industry right now and, and any work in the national side of things? Yeah, so I think I've, I've touched on this before, but we've, uh, we've put together a team of economists uh, from, I believe, seven states, and they've worked really hard. Uh, another shout out to them. Uh, our friends at the Ag Center, uh, Jason Holmes and Dr. Kirk Gidry have represented Louisiana on that uh, committee, but uh, they all kind of took different pieces and did a quick analysis of what data they had and have put together some really good information that should help us formulate and ask of what poultry needs. That's kind of uh, what we did with crawfish just on a different scale of when you don't have uh, Chicago Board of Trade to go and you know get your numbers from it takes a little more legwork to figure out what you know what what are the losses what are the needs because we're not an organization that just wants to go asking for for help with no solution on how it can be fixed so that's something we pride ourselves on and these economists our land grant universities do a great job of kind of giving us unbiased information mm -hmm. but there's other pieces that go into play there we're not the only game in town when it comes to poultry uh, there is the National Chicken Council, and uh, um, they represent both the grower and the integrator, and so that is a different dynamic in that we more so just represent the farmer. And, mm -hmm. and as you spoke to, chicken industry is very unique, mainly in that relationship and the contracts that are um, worked up between the, the integrator and the farmer. So that's what we're having to navigate. Um, and it gets even more complicated and, and unique between integrators, between farmer and integrator. I mean, there's, there's a lot of detail that makes it very hard to come up with a, a sweeping help everybody government program because everybody's situation is different. Mm -hmm. One of the things that makes me think of is, is kind of like pleasing to opposing. I mean, not, they're not opposing, but you got, on one hand, you can please this guy and not help this guy, and it's it's just a it's a balance. Yeah, it, uh, it's kind of hard to walk that line. It is, and that's why you know. But we we want to make sure if we can work together. Uh, you know, there's enough uh, incentive between our organization and the Chicken Council, and you know, the farmer and the integrator. However, you want to look at it, uh, we hope we can work together, and that our analysis uh, aligns we're just kind of waiting to see on that but uh, the the good news is is that um, we think that some of those issues are starting to turn in the right direction for our uh, poultry grower but at the same time that's the toughest part about any of these crawfish beef you name it um, we're living it right now and so you you only got so many shots, you know, with Congress to get these things fixed. And so how much do you look into the future? Uh, if you just pay on what's happened in the past, is that going to really do any good? You know, mm -hmm. so it's, it's a song and dance for sure that we're trying to, to play. Um, but uh, we got a lot of smart folks working on it. So we'll, 
we'll see what we can come up with. But there's there's things like I talked to Butch Oaks, our poultry chairman, last night, and and he, you know, at first it was just either not being able to process birds, and so you you lose what you have, or maybe you won't get new chickens for a while because they don't need as many. But there's there's intricacies coming along now of well, you we're not gonna we're not going to slaughter your birds when we said we would. We need you to hold them another week or two, uh, and and we're going to cut their food um, calorie intake to where they're not gaining as much weight. Well, that farmer gets paid on weight that he puts on that bird, and so he's incurring the cost of keeping them happy and keeping them uh, well in those houses. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're still, you know, plenty healthy birds. Don't don't let anybody get that misunderstood. But uh, it's lights it's air conditioning mm-hmm. it's you know labor to do all that and then you know you're you're widening your costs and narrowing your your income that's margin and mm-hmm. when your margins get negative that's when folks can't pay their bills so. yeah they're tight enough as they are that's right um one of the things you mentioned is processing and uh is there any any news on that i know we've talked about that over the last few weeks as well the processing industry of the processing end of that industry. Is there any, any, are there plants opening back up and what's the latest on that coronavirus update? Yeah, there was a lot of, uh, you saw in the news, anybody that was keeping up with it, um, president, secretary of ag, Zippy Duval, all, all the way down. Um, you know, it doesn't, I'm not going to sit here and say that the secretary of ag showing up to a plant is going to keep it open, but, you just saw that all those folks were making a big push to get these plants back up and running. And that, that goes to show how big that is for our national security, for the security of our supply chain uh, and to keep folks in business. So yeah, they've had some success with their presidential declaration to, to make these folks even more essential, you know, as far as, as on paper, Uh, we know they're essential common sense would tell you that, but, uh, government requires some paperwork sometimes so they're having some success i don't know that um a lot has drastically changed in louisiana with our poultry processing facilities i think they've you know over time you figure things out and can get a little more efficient but there's still concern out there of getting folks to show up to work and and to not just take unemployment when they're not supposed to uh those kind of things but folks are navigating it it's kind of leveling out and we're seeing uh, hopefully brighter days ahead. I hope we're there. I hope we're getting closer to the brighter days. Is there anything else going on the national front? Any more alphabet soup uh, acronyms you want to share with us that are floating around in DC? Man, I'm sure there is, but uh, I, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to complicate things any further. I will just say, um, as soon as we know what this food assistance program looks like, uh, we've already got assurance. We work really well with FSA that they're. As soon as they're briefed on it, they're going to brief us. And once they get trained, you know, this everybody's standing ready, towing the line, ready to do what we can do. So just ask the, the farmer out there to be a little more patient as much as you can. If, if we could push any harder, we would. But uh, it's just a matter of, of getting things administered and getting the rules out there. That That's one thing that the Democrats have made sure to put in their HEROES Act. They gave a deadline for any money that they send to USDA that you got to have it out. I think it's within 30 days of the law passing. So, um, 
have the rules written anyway. So there's folks that aren't too pleased with how slow this is going. But uh, we saw that with SBA. They jumped out and just started throwing money around. And once the cat's out of the bag, you can't get it back in. So we understand what they're doing, and we're, we're ready to try and help that move along whenever they're ready. Well, for anybody that's listening and maybe wants to learn more about the CFAP or maybe even the Heroes Act, we got some we got some documents out there that we can share with some people and some links in the show notes. Yeah, um, farmers.gov, USDA's website that that has all of the information. That's what they sent out for that webinar. It says anything you want to know is on here for the time being. Um, but you know, y'all do a great job uh, with the daily newsletter. We try to put as much in there as we can. Uh, and try to get out stuff on social media when we can too. So yeah, stay tuned to that. But uh, I don't think anybody that has any connection to ag media will have uh, any have a hard time at all of finding out the details once they're out there because the world will, the world will turn upside down for a little while trying to get get that information out. So mm-hmm. it'll be a lot, but we'll we'll work through it and, and hopefully come out better on the other side. I hope so. Andy Brown, thanks for joining me. Uh, thank you, Joe Mapes. I'm Carl Wiggers. Andy, would you like to sign us off? Well, I do want to tell Joe, his, his saying is ringing ever more true, but I'm afraid that our, our menu is turning into a buffet when you're talking about $3 trillion. Uh, that menu's getting awfully long. But uh, we do know, uh, that as Joe says, if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. 